Left. Right. Yo, and welcome to episode 157 of Sip Talk. Today, we're talking about some really cool stuff. We are talking about humanoid aliens, the likeliness that the likeliness that aliens have developed uh, alongside humans. So uh, they, they resemble humans, and there's some scientists that really think that that's very highly probable. Also, we are talking about simulation theory, the fact that we may very well be living in a simulation. So I'd love to, uh, I'd love to dive into that with you, and uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts and, and your opinions on the matter. So please comment. Uh, and uh, send me some DMs. Let me know what you think of uh, the episode and the topics we're talking about today. Uh, appreciate you guys, and uh, I'll see you on the other end. Thanks for joining. This is Sip Talk. Grab a drink and enjoy. Cheers. 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 All right, that means we're live. Welcome to Sip Talk. This is episode 157. My name is Justin DiGiulio out of my basement in New Jersey. I am joined, as always, by James, the Bosnia Boswell out of Charleston, South Carolina. James is a philosopher an accountant, a professional referee, and a bartender suitable for sip talk. I got a giant glass of scotch because uh, I didn't feel like bringing the bottle with me, so I just poured a uh, an episode's worth of scotch. Yeah, that's, like. that's more than an episode. Is that watered down or anything? <laughs> no, it's just, uh, you know, it, it's just been sitting here. It, it's uh, it's a little chill, but just because it's cold outside, it came from the, the back steps. What I just heard you crack a can open. What are you drinking? I am changing it up. I've got one can left of Wicked Weed Dr. Dank IPA. That sounds very, uh, like a very hearty IPA. It is. <laughs> Dr. Dank. And I've got a can of PBR as backup. All right, fair enough. That'll, that'll taste like water after drinking the IPA. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, for, uh, for those of you guys who are joining us uh, live tonight, we're, and we're, we're open to your questions. If you're joining us live, you can catch it. In the best format on YouTube or Facebook or Twitch or, Twitch. or Twitter, uh, you're going to have a nice format. You'll be able to see us live. You'll be able to type com- type comments, and we'll be able to read the comments real time. If you're watching on TikTok, or you're watching on Instagram. Unfortunately, our feed isn't set up correctly, so I just have the phone mounted in front of a screen over here and the phone mounted in front of a screen over here. So if you're watching on TikTok or Instagram, you're not getting the full experience, but you wanna go ahead and subscribe to the YouTube channel, subscribe to the Apple Podcasts, the Spotify Podcasts, any of the audio podcast platforms, you'll catch us very refined. Spend a lot of time editing video, a lot of time editing audio, and you will catch us there. It's gonna be good. But real time tonight, we are talking about humanoid aliens, and we're talking about simulation theory. Now, this was sparked from an article I read uh, from this guy, Simon Conway Morris at the University of Cambridge, who's in the Department of Earth Science, talking about what aliens are likely to look like on other planets. We're gonna get there in a minute. We, uh, it is January 6th that we're recording this, so uh, pretty, pretty cool in the sense that January 6th now has some type of meaning to it, right? Not a great. Uh, meaning. I wouldn't say cool. <laughs> Not a great meaning, but the cool part of it is that 
it meant nothing. I mean, I guess it's not cool, but it is. It just, not in a, in a positive way. But like, for example, September 11th was just a normal day. January 6th, for the most part, just a normal day. Even on a, you know, an election year, the public really has very little knowledge of what's going on. Now, a monumentous day. And, uh, and here we are. So what, what are your thoughts? You said you want to share something a little bit. So, Well, it's just, it's been a year. And what's really disturbing to me is how few consequences there are for what that day really was, which was basically an attempt to overthrow a legitimate election. And I'm really frustrated by how few people have faced actual consequences for it. Well, I feel like they got a decent number of people I remember for a while over like, 750 people have been arrested yes but the people that organized it have largely got off scot-free no that's usually how it works the people at the top usually don't take the burden of the of the blame and the consequences so you know unfortunately but I feel like that's that's pretty much the case in any aspect of life but uh, but yeah wild I remember watching this happen live and I've seen like different spins on it you know whatever you want to whichever way you want to spin it but I was just watching I watched the speech in the uh, from Trump in the morning and this is back I'm sitting in the office very quiet January day I think we might have had a little snow or something and uh, I was just chilling in the office downtime with the TV on the background watching all this go down and just thinking to myself holy shit uh, people are like trying to topple the government <laughs> and and that's it, what it was. And there was really well, you know, now the spin isn't so much that. But in that time, in real time, I'm watching this go down and thinking to myself, "Holy shit! These people are breaking in, and they're just they're they're one trying to overthrow the the election, but actually breaking into Congress, and to a degree trying attempting to overthrow the government. And uh, you know, people just like they fucking took over the place. Just wild. So what's this uh, one one thing that's really astounding to me is that only one person got shot. <clears throat> well, that uh, that which way was the was the gun aimed? It um, was a Capitol police officer shooting a rioter. Yeah, well, you know, unfortunately that doesn't help the other side's argument, but it also doesn't help any arguments when well, it's. Have you ever been to the Capitol? Yeah, a while ago. Um. Yeah, it's been twenty years for me. But I think two thousand ten. Right. I was there last. Like, have you been to the actual Capitol building? Yeah. 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 So, like, I remember when I was there in like high school. I remember seeing the Capitol Police because they're everywhere. Yeah. And they were armed with like state-of-the-art assault rifles. Like assault rifles that you don't really see not even like the military uses these like they're better than that yeah to protect the capital so where mm -hmm. where are you going with this though it's shocking to me that right. when you Only have people invading shot. the capital that only one person got shot by the capital police well I think you know it was mostly white people raiding the capital also so that's a very good point. I remember thinking, it was like, if these pro if these invaders were black, there would have been more than one person shot. Yeah, and then that's a sad reality. Uh, but look, I got a lot of stuff I want to cover on this simulation theory. I want to talk about the aliens first. 
Um, and then I want to segue into simulation theory. Are you cool if we, if we approach it that way? Because I have a lot less to say on aliens. I think you do too. Well, let's, let's see where the things take us. All right. And let's see what people have to say about it. Yeah, remember, if you do want to comment live, you guys got to, uh, you know, it's best to join us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, or Twitter. Just find Justin Julio, which is me, and it's a live stream on each of those platforms. So we got this guy, uh, Simon. Uh, he's uh, with the Department of Earth Science at the University of Cambridge. And what he what he's proposing is that random effects of evolution will eventually average out so that uh, evolution converges. So basically saying like bi bipedal, uh, you know, humanoids are basically inevitable. Okay. And and he makes the case that evolution tends to go in in certain directions, irregardless. And he, he says, uh, uh, flight, for example, has evolved independently four different ways. And he says, through birds, through bats, through insects and through pterosaurs, which are like flying reptile like animals. Oh, like, like pterodactyls, which don't exist anymore? Which don't exist anymore, but they, they did evolve at some point, and that was separate from insect flight or um, uh, bat flight. You know, the, yeah, I would think that it would have to be pretty similar to birds, I would but think, I'm I not would, well enough first in the topic to dispute what this guy's saying. Yeah, I would I would I would think they were separate from or I would think they were similar to birds as well. Well, cuz uh, when you look like birds are kind of the direct descendants of the dinosaurs. And like when you look at the skeleton of like a chicken or whatever, like you, like you can see like a, a chicken skeleton compared to like a small dinosaur skeleton, you can't tell the two apart. Well, they look so similar. I think uh, I think people <laughs> maybe not so much cuz people are eating chicken tenders. But yeah, yeah, folks, you, uh, you 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 should be familiar with the chicken skeleton. I actually had I, well, we baked a chicken last night, so I got to got to carve the chicken. And for the most part, the body of that chicken, the wings, etc., are similar to what you see when you go to a museum and you see these gigantic skeleton uh, of the chickens. Look skeleton. a lot like raptors. Yeah, I will give you. I will give you that. A little bit smaller, and most chickens aren't pumped full of naturally chick, naturally occurring chickens aren't pumped full of hormones and have giant chicken breasts and are well, we, right. weebly and wobbly. Um, <clears throat> so this guy says that that it's likely that alien life has evolved in many ways analogous to to humans, um, and and when you look at something like Star Trek, where they have these other alien civilizations. You look at the, you know, I remember watching Star Trek and being like, wait a second, so the, 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 the aliens look just like humans, but they have ridges on their forehead? Like, you know, what's, what's the deal with that? But well, that's somewhat... I, mean, I, I think that was more along the lines of the budget for special effects. And, and I agree with you completely, but what this guy is saying is that that may actually be more likely than not, is that, you know, we will have developed from the water to move on to the land, maybe into flight, but predominantly those of us who can't fly, who walk on two legs and have opposing thumbs, uh, you know, and, and 
uh, I don't know. Uh, well, I think it's better to try and reverse engineer this. So if you think, and if you think, what do you need to become an intelligent species, right? And so the, the requisites are going to be a large ratio of brain to mass, mm-hmm. right? That's the number one thing you need. And then the next thing that you need is a long lifespan because it doesn't matter how smart your brain is. You need to have a long enough lifespan where that brain can, de- can develop and do things with it. Yeah, so you can create the world and you can affect the world around you. And then the last thing is that you need to have a physical body that is good enough at manipulating the environment around you. So that's where like the, the, the opposable thumbs and the dexterity comes in is if we didn't have that, it would be a lot harder for us to work. Um, and so I think when I was thinking about this earlier, one of the, uh, I actually thought about Star Trek and I thought about the Borg and I thought about ants and you could have if instead of having a high brain to mass ratio where each individual is intelligent if you had the other two things and actually the, the long lifespan might not be necessary in, the, in like the idea of the borg where you just need to be able to have some way of being able to maintain intelligence and knowledge over generations and so with the borg if you were to have all you need is basically bodies that can manipulate the environment like effectively because they share an intelligence yeah and so sorry this is getting a little heady if you don't watch star trek you might be missing out a little bit sorry about that guys um because i think about ants and you look at ant colonies and each individual ant is not intelligent at all they're they're kind of robots in a way where like they they just follow chemical signals and you can watch videos of people taking an ant that has like that's giving off a chemical signal and they'll just pick it up and like trace it across like a piece of paper or something. And then you'll see all the other ants follow it. You so get, you're going to have to bring this home though. Well, so what I'm thinking is you could have an intelligent civilization where it's a collective intelligence. That's, you might not necessarily need but, to have but, each individual have intelligent capabilities. But what makes you think that that's not actually the next step in evolution for us, and we do so mechanically through AI and through the Internet of Things, where we're all connected, we all share an intelligence. You ask me a question, I can answer it because I'm just scrolling through a Rolodex of whatever I have backlogged in my digital memory. I ask you the question, you give the same exact answer the same exact way because you're scrolling through your digital backlog. So if we can include you know, some type of digital enhancements to ourselves that has storage and also the internet of things, um, we could be very similar to that. Well, when you put it that way, I don't think we're that far off. I don't, I don't either, and some of the stuff I have on sim- simulation theory, theory might, might actually pull that back in. So one of the, some of the other thoughts I had on humanoid-like uh, aliens was the gravity of the planet so we managed to stand up on our feet because you know whatever our size allows us to extend ourselves but on a planet with higher gravity you might have smaller more compact um, well there's going to be a range of suitable gravities yes that above or below you're not going to be able to do much true true 
Um, and then I also was thinking, well, what about intelligent life underwater or within a fluid? And I was thinking, you know, well, obviously dolphins can't really manipulate the world around them. You know, they can't get out on, on land and things like that. Um, so another civilization that was liquid based could have a very difficult time uh, traversing planets. But then I thought to myself, well, we're oxygen based and we need to surround ourselves in a mixture of air with a certain amount of oxygen and basically keep ourselves, transport ourselves within bodies of that oxygen. So we put on a spacesuit and it's filled with our ideal mixture of air. What's saying a, an aquatic civilization couldn't bottle the aqua, the agua around them and put a spacesuit on that's full of water instead of instead of air and then trans obviously be heavier well two things i think the first is that it's a lot harder to build things that last underwater so let's assume that you're able to cross the first couple hurdles of like brain to mass and ability to manipulate the environment in the long lifespan let's say you've got all three of those things like if you're limited to the water it's much harder to build underwater because just natural forces cause deterioration and physical structures much faster there. Sure. So what was the part two? I, the the part two is what's the, do you know what the biggest enemy to space travel is? Um temperature? Mass. Oh, okay. And and so, why is that leaving the planet? So, yeah, you need to apply force to go anywhere. And in order to apply force, you need to have some sort of fuel. Fuel has mass, mm -hmm. but the things that you're transporting also have mass. And so you ideally want to have the least amount of fuel possible so you can transport the most amount of mass. So unless you have some hyper-efficient fuel like antimatter or whatever then you're going to have this problem where the more mass you add, the more fuel you need to add. And the more fuel you add is, is mass by itself. And so the farther you want to go, the more fuel you need. And you get to a certain point where like, you need to add more fuel than you even have the mass. Like you have to, you're paying energy to transport fuel that needs to be used in the future. Yeah. Yeah. And, more, and my... so there's a kind of an upper limit to how far you can travel based on mass, because let's say, a ton of rocket fuel fuel get you 100,000 miles. Well, two tons of rocket fuel will not get you 200,000 miles because that first ton of rocket fuel doesn't get you 100,000 miles. And not anymore because now it has to transport an extra double, ton of stuff. Double, yeah, exactly. So, my, so what you, I'm under yeah. what I just underlined which was my next question is then what does it take to leave your planet? And I think we we kind of wore that out. It's difficult to leave your planet also. Well, so let me go back to the mass thing. So air has a really great quality. It doesn't weigh very much. Well, relatively, yeah. It so does have weight to it for, for anybody. It's, for somebody who just heard James say that, it doesn't weigh nothing. It's just- I it said doesn't it doesn't weigh, weigh very much. But somebody might've thought you were exaggerating because it weighs nothing. But it actually, air does have a weight to it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, air doesn't weigh very much. And you can compress air down into a liquid and 
then it yeah you, you can compress it down to a liquid and now you've got a very efficient storage method compared to if you are an aquatic civilization trying to leave your planet and you need to kind of recreate your atmosphere or whatever on that on that spaceship well now you don't have a way of compressing down that liquid to something that is a more dense yeah, no, your point is you just weigh a hell of a lot more, so it makes it more difficult to lift up your planet. I want to, I want to get into, I want to get in quick though to the simulation theory, and uh, you know, talking about it, I, I don't, I don't know, I necessarily agree with this guy's theory. I think if you reverse engineer us, you know, it, it looks like we were we were well, put together with parts. That, let me know. throw one more thing out there in terms of his basic theory that evolution has a tendency to converge. Um, there's some real-world examples of that. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but uh, have you ever heard of carcinization? Carcinization. No, I don't think so. So, it's the observation that in many instances, separate species tend to evolve into crab-like beings. So, like the claws and the crab body and everything like that that you can have you've had you can find examples way like from opposite sides of the planet so like two species that have never interacted that have completely independent starting points mm -hmm. that tend to evolve into a crab-like shape i i will buy that because i was going to give the example of the cockroach and the lobster or the spider and the crab mm -hmm. uh, you know and, and yeah 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 and that's and that's similar to the well maybe not because i was going to say the bird to the insect but it's actually not it's, it's no but like you can look like the the lobster and the crab and like yeah like the lobster is a crab like shape but you can find examples all over the place of species evolving towards that shape and they're not entirely sure why this happens but that's but well when we get to simulation theory <laughs> yeah we we might be on to that um uh, lazy programmers so uh yeah and and simple uh, algorithms but uh what's the chance that uh you know there's, there's life on this planet and potentially some other planets because aliens well, have aliens have sprinkled biological dust across the universe to run a simulation of life and see if life like them appears on these other planetary bodies that they have sprinkled their their own biological dust the dust of of where they the ingredients that that they were first formed from i'm going to take a risk and say zero percent <laughs> well if it's not zero percent it's very close to zero percent um so you ready you ready to get into simulation theory or you want to talk about humanoid aliens a little bit more well, when I kind of want to address the idea that like life is seeded by aliens, or is that basically what you're saying? Well, it was it was my it was it was my aliens may exist and a version of simulation theory may also exist simultaneously. Um, well, so uh, let's address those claims independently. Okay. Is it likely that there's life somewhere else in the universe? I think that's My answer to that would be yes. I, I agree with you. Um, is is it likely that there's intelligent life somewhere else in the universe? That's much harder to answer. Well, um, have you heard of the Fermi paradox? No, what's that? So the Fermi paradox is 
if life is common across the universe, why haven't we seen it? Or put another way, there are two possibilities. The first is that we are completely alone in the universe. The second is that the universe is teeming with intelligent life that hasn't contacted us yet. Both are equally terrifying. Yeah, I've, well, I've heard I've heard that quote before. Is that the Fermi paradox? Yeah, pretty much. It, the Fermi paradox is, is no. I, I think that's a restatement. But the Fermi paradox is: if there's intelligent life in the universe, why haven't we seen any evidence of it yet? With the statistical probability that it exists being almost a certainty when you just think like even if you have a tiny tiny percentage the tiny fraction of a percentage as a chance that life evolves on a planet there are so many planets out there yeah, yeah, but exactly. my point as to why we haven't been contacted by them is that the universe is really really big well, that and was, to what, be able to make it the distance that's required even even like for a universe for another civilization to pick up our radio signals which travel as fast as we're as we know things can go like our radio signals have made it maybe a hundred light years 150 light years which if you were to think about that in terms of a map of the united states if you if you're in new york city and the other side of the galaxy is la mm -hmm. and 150 light years is you're probably if you left manhattan you might be in the suburbs of New Jersey. <laughs> you may still be on a bridge. So yes, which and that's the reason why we may not have contacted other planets or been contacted by other planets is because proof that we exist hasn't even made it to them yet. So you know, so why are they going to come zoom over and visit us when they're waiting for some proof that we exist and we're sending it out in radio signals? Uh, and, and whatever light signature and, and heat waves, it's it's unlikely that that well, it's impossible that that would have gotten to them already. So it's not let's unlikely. Just, it's let's just imagine that the chances of life evolving is one in a billion, right? I'm just making up a number there. But let's say it's a one in a billion chance. Mm -hmm. So in the Milky Way, there's about 500 million stars, roughly, and that might I might be wrong in on that our number, galaxy. Yeah, in our galaxy alone, there's also somewhere between somewhere around that number of galaxies in the universe but let's just focus on the milky way 500 million stars let's say that on average those stars have 10 planets each some stars have less some stars have way more but let's just say 10 so that's 5 billion so you think one in a billion chance that means that there's five places in this entire galaxy where there's intelligent life let's just assume that and again, if we think about it in terms of a map of the United States, let's say that we're in Topeka, Kansas, kind of the middle of the country. That means that over the entire United States, there's four other people. Yeah. And how likely are you to run into these people? Right. And remember, the fastest that you can move is in 150 years, you're able to get to the like city limits of where you are yeah I, so you're in topeka kansas you're able to start your car get on the highway and see the first exit for out of town in 150 years have passed how likely is it going to be that you're going to run into one of those other four people 
Yeah, it's it's almost impossible. Just it's 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 infinitely small the possibility. Um, so look, so let's let's get into simulations here because that's 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 where I want to go with this. Uh, okay. And and we've done some other episodes on aliens, and we definitely could do some future episodes on aliens. I just like getting into the numbers on this kind of stuff. Well, uh, and again, if you guys if you guys are watching live and you want to join and throw some comments out there, YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, or Twitter is the place to be. We can read your comments that way. We can't read your comments on Instagram or TikTok. Not without our helpful assistant who's still stranded in... Is he still in Georgetown? Yeah, I think so. I think so. That's that's not the place that I would want to be for three or four weeks. All right, so look, so uh, simulation theory. I, uh, I recently heard uh, this on Star Talk, the Neil deGrasse Tyson podcast, and they had on guest Nick Bostrom, who's an Oxford theorist, and he proposed that there are th- only three possibilities, and that is the following. That all human-like civilizations in the universe go extinct before they develop the capability to create simulations, simulated realities. So, you know, before we are able to do so, before we're able to start creating simulations as lifelike as our own life, so we can put you. In so we're going to have to say indistinguishable. Indistinguishable. That if you were if you were in one of those simulations, you would not be able to tell the difference. So yeah. So for example, our sim- civilization before we can get to that level, we go extinct, and any other past civilizations, if there had been, which we were just talking about with aliens, had there ever been that civilization that almost got there, they went extinct. So it was never possible because no one has ever reached that level of technology, which. Seems unlikely because it seems like we are very likely headed towards having the technological capabilities. That's really far off to be able to create a simulation that's indistinguishable, though. All right, so hear me out. Um, number two, if any civilization has reached the ability, so they've they've gotten to the technological ability to create simulations, they just haven't bothered to run them. And simulate or simulate. And possibility number three is that advanced civilizations have the ability to create many, many civilizations, uh, and they likely have, so there are likely very many simulated worlds. You follow me there? I'm gonna, I got well, yeah, a quick, I got a quick recap video. It takes, uh, it takes just a, a second here. You ready? No, no, I, I got the point. Well, let me play it for anybody else who's, who's listening, because this is a, a quick 30 second, huh? So to recap, there are three possibilities. One, humans go extinct before we're able to run a simulation this big. Two, humans don't run simulations because it's wrong or boring. Number three, we are living in a simulation. Elon Musk thinks that... Alright. Yeah, thanks for cutting out before we talked about Elon Musk, because that'll just get me going. (laughs) Um, But I think think that, that really puts things into perspective. So two of the three um, possibilities are technology has existed in whatever civilizations, they just haven't done it, or it's existed and they have done it and we're probably one of those, simu- well, we, we must be one of those simulations, or no civilization has ever made it to the technological capability of running I'm going to dispute the second point, which is just because, the, let, let, let's assume that it's true that a a civilization has the technology to create indistinguishable simulations that doesn't necessitate that we are one of them 
It just introduces the possibility. Well, it, it can't exist without us being one of them. No, it can. Well, it can no, exist like, as a possibility. Get, it, it can exist as a possibility, but it can't exist as a reality. I'm, well, just think about this. Like in Andromeda, fair, fair enough. Over I, in Andromeda, it. there's this t- civilization that has all this crazy technology that can do that, and they're running all sorts of simulations and doing crazy stuff that we can't even imagine. Fair well, enough. that's two and a half million light years away. Yeah, we would. Um, they can't touch us. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, so I'll buy that. I, I will. I will group that into number three, which is advanced civilizations have the ability to create many, many uh, simulated civilizations. Yeah, but it's a big leap to say that. Therefore, therefore we are we a simulation. Are. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, we could be a parallel civilization who has not yet reached that level in the same scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I think I think those three possibilities are. Are very highly, you know. I, I, I don't see outside of those those probabilities, um, and it's and I also think it is reasonably likely that we are in a simulation ourselves, and we just nope. don't know it. Why don't you think so? Because it presupposes more conditions than the alternative. Sure, but life is is very complex. So, a, you know, a a simulation itself would have the ability to be as complex as it needs to be. Sure, but we when you com- when you compare these two things, you have to look and say, scenario one is we're like this is the real world, and that's what we're living in, and it happened. Like the world came to be through a series of chance events over the last four and a half billion years, where like just things happened and this is the result. Or you have to imagine a scenario where you've got an entire civilization trying to come up with a simulation and then then where the result. You have to add in more steps to get to the same place. Sure, but the idea that we are not in a simulation almost to me sounds like a religious almost idealism you know just just i'm just going with occam's razor on this one which is the the solution which requires the least amount of leaps of logic is typically the the one that is correct well that's that's that works very well for religion that that sun must be the sun god not another planetary Mm. body well, that's, that's, no, that's, that's in the face You still of have it. to come up with leaps of logic to explain the God and all that other stuff. Well, not when Religion you fails Occam's razor. Not when you, not when you don't question it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a handy solution you got there. Well, so, so, and this is from Elon Musk, but he said 40 years ago we had Pong, and that was innovative and on the cutting edge of technology, and that was a video game. Now, 40 years later, well, 30 years later, we had The Sims, right? Maybe, yeah. maybe even less, I think. Um, um, Pong was in the early 70s. The Sims was in the early 2000s. Early 2000s. Okay, so yeah, so about 30 years, about 30 years. Yeah. Uh, and then we had The Sims. And then 10 years later, we have photorealistic 3D worlds. I don't think we have photorealistic. 
Uh, we can create photorealistic 3D renders, like a single image. But to have a, we still don't have photorealism in video games. Well, okay, fair enough. Maybe not quite photorealism, immersed reality video games, but and know. video game physics still have a long way to go. That's but not to think, say that they aren't think, good. But just think how how quickly we've come in forty years. Think think back that that Galileo discovered that the Earth kind of broke the heliocentric, which is the Earth is the center of the universe, right? So Galileo discovered that the other planets are revolving around the sun. Not everything is revolving around us, the Earth. But, and that was in 1610 that he discovered that. 2,000 years prior, this guy Aristarchos of Samos had pondered that... Uh, that Earth may not be the center of the universe, and he had a theory based on based on some of the stars, but it never turned out. It took two thousand years for Galileo to, on you know, basically to discover and have proof that. Yeah, but I, I think that there's but some two thousand years. Just what my point is that how far have we come in just the last four decades? Well, since you mentioned religion, I'm going to have to go and say that like. There was a whole bunch of discoveries made by the Greeks and Romans that got trampled under religion. Um, for example, the circumference of the Earth was calculated to within like 10% accuracy in like the year 1000 BC. And who was that by? Not the Greeks, probably like the Mayans or something. Uh, no, no, it was it was a Greek who yeah. did it. Yeah. It was the experiment where, like, they, they put the stick. They knew that in one area on a certain day, the sun would be, one, like, directly overhead. Mm -hmm. And then they would measure a shadow some known distance away and see what the angle of that stick shadow was. Mm -hmm. And using those two angles and the known distance, they could calculate the circumference of the circle. And that's how they figured out the size of the Earth. And it was remarkably accurate for its time. And that knowledge just got thrown out during the Middle Ages. Yeah, well, and that would that would probably oh, the Dark Ages, really. Yeah, fair enough. Um, <clears throat> but you know, what are your thoughts as we as we approach this metaverse? I've been looking in, into uh, the metaverse a little bit and NFTs, and that seems very virtual. And as technology improves, we can enter a more realistic-like virtual reality? Um, I'm generally opposed. <laughs> you might be opposed to the idea, but that would seem like we're putting ourselves into a simulation of our own making. Sure, and th that's better than forcing people into a simulation, because at least there's the like choice and consent, but I don't see the benefits. Well, if, if humankind has this inevitable, um, uh, basically c catastrophic ending, then, then we would hope that we were in some type of simulation, some type of metaverse. What's the difference? Well, you know, what if, what if we render the Earth 
uninhabitable in the way that we live on Earth now. So we have to put ourselves underground and we strap on just very Matrix-like. And we put no, we're going to have to fight the mole people for it. <laughs> well, you know, and that and that also depends on what happens with, with AI. That kind of throws a, a wrench wrench in there as well. But what happens if we if we render the Earth unlivable and then we want to continue a a life like what we formerly had, we could put ourselves back into that simulation, use next to no energy. If you look in the matrix, the people are just kind of living in these in these nutrient pods. Um, and and they're in they're in the matrix. They're hooked up to electrodes. And you're you were talking about the brain in a vat theory, which you want to expand on that. Uh, well, right? brain in a vat theory is a kind of an epistemological argument, saying that how can you claim to know something if the following scenario existed, where sometime in the future there's a mad scientist who is able to put a brain in a vat and in with his computer program and his technology be able to put sensors into the brain and make that brain experience what is indistinguishable from actual life. And if you were that brain in that vat being stimulated in such a way, how would you ever be able to determine that what you're experiencing isn't real and that you're just a brain in a vat. And I think that's it's an interesting exercise in thinking about that idea. And to a degree, we are a brain in a in a biological vat, right? Because like well, going back further, um, the Rene Descartes his most famous philosophical contribution was what's called like Descartes cogito where he does a thought experiment of like if he did like radical skepticism where he questions everything where does this exist does this exist whatever whatever it may be he questions and says i can't know for sure that anything exists what can i know if i doubt everything possible what can i know and he arrives at i am having these thoughts so therefore i can know for sure that i exist because if i didn't exist i don't have these thoughts yeah that's 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 boiled down but it's a critical concept but, but exist in what capacity though what is what is existence and what and and how is that? How can how could you not have those thoughts as a brain in a vat? Well, because you still can. The brain in the vat is kind of a much later response to Descartes' cogito, which is okay. You think, therefore, you are you are, but you don't know exactly what you are. You just know that you are. So, like. A brain in the vat can have the cogito and pass Descartes' test, but yeah, yeah, because it exists. Like I think, therefore I am. Yeah, I exist. But what do I exist as? That next step. That that's difficult to discern. Well, your brain receives 
electronic stimuli, right? Whether it's well, coming, yeah. whether it's coming from your eyes or from uh, your ears or from your taste or from your sense of touch. Well, all activity in the brain is one of two things. It's either chemical signals or electrical signals, or usually chemical signals triggering electrical signals. Exactly. So, and it's usually a chemical signal triggers an electrical signal, which triggers a chemical signal, which triggers an electrical signal, and so on. Exactly. So, if you could recreate our biology mechanically and link that to the human brain, then you're effectively in a sim simulation. Which is basically in line with the matrix. Yeah, the the brain and the vat argument's difficult to escape. But that is some version of a simulation theory. Well, the the matrix is kind of Hollywood taking the brain and a vat idea and building off of it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So. Are you familiar with ancestor simulation, the ancestor simulation? No. So the ancestor simulation is that in a civilization that possesses the technology to run lifelike simulations, that they basically set the clock back and they set the field whatever way they want to. They could set it exactly as it was for them, or they could throw, you know, change some things up, and then they let that simulation run see where it goes so if we were a another civilization's ancestor sim they would set our building blocks with uh, the big bang and see where things go or from you know whatever amoeba on the face of the earth and see where things go yeah pick random starting points in random conditions and see what happens well so you could have very set conditions or it could be random or it could be set with one or two things tweaked and see what happens. Yeah, that's the basis of experimentation. Exactly. And uh, and why would you run one? Well, so can... so a very advanced civilization, you know, is and, and these are two of the the possibilities: is either uninterested in running a, a simulation, or is running a simulation. Why? I'm sorry to cut you off because I'm curious what your thoughts are. I've had a couple. Of Let's just assume that we had this level of technology today. What would we do? Like the 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 if you had the ability to be able to these simulations effectively have the ability to perfectly predict the future. Well, exactly. Providing you can fast forward it, because obviously, if you're going to sit there, it's going to take some real patience. Um, but because if you let's just assume that you run some infinite number of simulations and you stumble upon the one that gets you to exactly where you are right now and you look at it and be like this looks exactly like how things are today in this simulation there's a guy named justin who's doing a podcast right now mm -hmm. this is the one like run number 17 trillion or whatever probably a greater but, number but but but, but yeah but but then you but then you see what happens past the now and you yeah, can, I mean, then you in, can in, use that to inform your decisions and it, say, what do we want to do? Exactly. So, for example, you can fast forward in The Sims and see what happens in their future. And obviously, you're your own real time, but you see what happens in their future and see how they deal and react to things. So, Because here's what you do. is you leave Once you find the simulation that got you to the point where you want to be, you leave that simulation running. And or, you use or that you, as a seed. Or you duplicate 
Or you no, no, no. What you do is you, you start, you keep that one as a seed. Oh, and, and that, then at and any point you duplicate it. Exactly. And then you say, all right, from today, we're going to change this and see what happens. So you can, but you first you need to get your starting conditions right. Yeah. And run 17 trillion got it right. So now we're using run 17 trillion as our building block. And then anytime we want to simulate something and say, hey, we're thinking about doing this. Okay, cool. Um, branch one off of 17 trillion. Exactly. And that will see that will show you that will demonstrate the observing civilization uh, how how the simulation deals with global warming, melting ice caps, uh, the cooling of uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, dealing with the sun with the sun running out of power, basically, or the, or the life cycle of the sun, because before it runs out of power, it's going to have some pretty pretty crazy fireworks uh, before that yeah well no no our our sun's going to be pretty boring like even when it goes to its red giant phase that's not going to be particularly interesting it's it's never going to go supernova it's not going to explode but it will engulf earth oh yeah definitely okay so at some point the sun is going before the sun cools off entirely it will engulf earth so if we want to yeah, but that's how- going to be a slow process where it's not like you're going to be sitting on the earth and like you're going to get like a cool show or whatever. It's like over the pat over several million years, the sun will just get like a tiny bit larger every single day, and it'll get a tiny bit hotter. Very slowly. Yeah, very, very slowly. Very slowly. Uh, but yeah, I, so that would be one reason to run a, a simulation is to see how people at whatever stage in their civilization cycle uh, how they deal with that. Uh, yeah, so the sun going supernova would be much cooler. <laughs> uh, not but, that it's going to happen, but that's what I'm pulling but for. But look, you know, we we to a degree already have a fascination with with our own kind of ancestor like simulation. Think about the movies that we make, you know, and think about the the movies about the past that we make, and then think about the movies about the future that we make. So we're all run, already trying to run that effectively simulation with the technology that we have, and that's cinema. It's you know. The, well, so in so some ways, would, if you had a much more interactive Sims-like, where you could set things up and see how it plays out. Well, I mean, that's kind of what some video games are doing right now. Is there there are some video game environments where people get to explore things that aren't possible in the real world one of them i can think of is a video game called eve online which is a online space game and in that um it's very open world where like there aren't very many rules in terms of what you can and can't do as a player and so like players can form corporations and there's a tax in the game but like corporations can find ways of evading the tax and you can have different player factions fighting each other and so you can look at like the way that the economics in that game work where there's like real world money at play in in the game and you can see it's basically an accelerated version of real world economics because things can happen faster in the game than they can in the real world true yeah And, and but that's a great we're doing these things already without the technology and the technological capability to create a real life-like simulation but we're already running some of these civilizations some of these some of these simulations 
So well, know. yeah, we run simulations for all sorts of things. Like, it, like we talked about global warming a number of times. Like, there are tons of models of the climate, and based on starting conditions, what's the globe going to look like in a hundred years? And the amount of data that goes into that is immense. Yeah, very true. Um, which leads to my next question: Is in if if we are not the only civilization um, or if there are other simulations is building a computer an inevitability is every civilization going to get to the level where they are I mean my, my thinking of building a computer is basically creation of AI right technology well, leading to tech, the computer itself is is basically Homo erectus on the scale of chimpanzee to human when when you think of having rocks to having a computer to having AI. Well, computers are really just outsourcing a a different source of labor. So if you think about like simple machines like a pulley or a lever, mm -hmm. those are just ways to make physical work easier through mechanical advantage. Mm -hmm. And so computers do the exact same thing for thought. They make mental work easier than calculator. But also right. when you couple computer with basic mechanics, then you have robotics. But mm -hmm. if, if we're if we're making things simpler on the computer front, basically thought, you know, at some point the computer is going to be able to think for itself. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. And that's AI, that, that, right? You know, and, and when you couple, when you couple AI with mechanical, and then you, and then you have uh, self-aware ro robots. Yeah. Which is why I think a consistent theme that I've had since the dawn of this podcast and before is all this research into AI needs to slow its roll a, a touch. Why do you say that? Because we're not ready to, to deal with an AI? Because that's, a, that's the best argument I can have for us slowing, slowing it down. But otherwise, I think full steam ahead. Um, so yes to the first point is one, we're not ready to deal with it. And Two, there's the possibility that because of one, we create, because of problem number one, we're not ready to deal with it, we create something that gets out of control. Which could, which could lead to the end of our civilization. <laughs> which could yeah. lead to a Terminator-like... I, like... I don't think this is a reasonable chance happening in the near future. But it's something that we need to be careful of. And what we allow AI to do right now, in terms of what things we allow it to control, we need to be super careful with. Like, do you want to allow AI to be in control of nuclear missiles? Uh, or how about the rest of the military? But yeah, nuclear... Do you want AI to be in control of power plants? Yeah, especially when that's linked when that's linked to, to other things because AI is communicative as well. Um, 
and uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, you're the idea that that a power plant or uh, nuclear missiles could be on the internet means that they could be hacked and they could be hacked by the enemy. So, yeah. so AI, um, which is not necessarily an enemy, if it does decide to become an enemy and it's in total control, then humanity is truly fucked. Which, which then we may be driven underground because we have destroyed the surface of the earth and yeah. then we decide we want to live in a, in, a, in a simulation. Like some of the most secure computers in the world that control things like nuclear missiles or whatever, not only aren't connected to the internet, they're not connected to anything. They are in like their own separate room, like air gapped from everything else. Like the computer that controls a nuclear missile launch that computer isn't connected to anything, not even like the other computers in the same building. Dude, all right, we're almost out of time, but here's a, here's a thought, because you're talking about not letting computers control uh, nuclear weapons and, and things like that. I had a thought the other day, just like walking down the street, and like, you know, I've been on Twitter a little bit lately, and just how fucking nutty people are. Just thinking, and I, I just thought to myself, like, like they, yeah, it's okay. People saying, "Oh, it's okay to be mentally unstable. Like it's all right to to feel this way." <laughs> it's my thinking is these are the people you want flying your planes. Like I walk by at a solid six hundred people every single day, and I just look around. I think to myself, "Is is this somebody that that I could trust to be flying a plane for me?" Um, yeah. Do I want this person performing surgery? It, yeah. Like, is this somebody I want to put that much trust in? And, and, you know, it's like, and we're seeing everybody go, like, fucking off the hook, and they're like, well, it's okay to be mentally unstable, and, and it's okay not to try hard, and it's okay to, you know, to, to this, and don't be concerned with, with, you know, this or that. Well, like, do be concerned with these things. That, like, you know, when you kind of give up on everything because somebody tells you it's okay, like, what are you, what are you then good at? Where, what, are you, what are you pushing yourself to achieve? And, you know what those people are good at? What? Reproducing. <laughs> that that that's true. But what you said is is that these these facilities are airlocked and 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 basically blocked away from people and technology. But there are humans that are physically present that are managing these things. So mm -hmm. you, you have somebody who has a bad day because somebody cuts them off, you know, and and they're told it's all right to make rash decisions or some shit. Um, well, that's why in the case of something like nuclear weapons or whatever, it requires more than one person to press launch. Well, true. That, that, that's true with nuclear weapons. Um, but, most big weapons, actually. Fair enough. But, but, but as we are trending, that we're talking about having AI con control your military weapons and things like that. Um, people are yeah you know what I've seen that. is like I know we were running out of time but one of the big issues that people are bringing up right now is um, the militarization of drones and I'm not talking about like the big drone airplanes that drop bombs on people I'm talking about drones that are not much bigger than this can of soda mm -hmm. that can move at like hundreds of miles an hour and if you put like a pound of C4 on a drone that can go two or 300 miles an hour and has a range of, I don't know, 10 miles. Imagine if you had a swarm of those. If you had 100 drones, like in you, like 10 miles, that's a pretty easy radius Dude, to like have a deployment range. You gotta watch, uh, you gotta get into Black Mirror, man. 
all this stuff is is all played out and, and, and scripted in a very interesting Black Mirror is the new Twilight Zone. I've heard that. I've seen a few episodes. I kind of got turned off of it because there was an episode that had a lot of spiders in it. Yeah, well, that was a bad uh, bad episode probably for you to have watched. I'm sorry that happened to you. Um, but <laughs> I mean, I, I actually recently watched the episode that, that I know you're talking about, and it was a it was a very tough episode to watch. They basically put the guy in a place where his fear took control, and spiders was uh, was one of his fears. So that was really uh, it's a shame. All right, I think that means we are uh, out of time today. So thank you guys for joining. This is a cool conversation. I'd like to get a bit more interactive, so maybe we'll bring on some uh, listener questions. And we will definitely work out the Instagram and TikTok stream. James, I'll see you next time. Everybody else. All right, cheers. Adios. All right, what's up? This is the end of episode 157. Uh, I appreciate you guys making it this far into the episode. Thank you for that. Um, this is episode two of a new season, episode 157 of the series. So uh, we got to keep these episodes going to stay alive. And let me know in the comments what else you want to hear about. Let me know in the comments what you thought of this. I, I really enjoyed this episode, and I would love uh, the opportunity to revisit it and uh, maybe get a little bit deeper. So uh, on that note, uh, I'm out of here. Thank you guys for joining. See you all next time. I like PBR, I just got priced out of it.